Bandwidth for January has been provided by CashFly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. CashFly delivers all of our content here at 5 by 5 and they are the best. Check them out at cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y, and let them know that you heard about them here on 5 by 5 I'm recording a podcast right now. I'm recording. I hit the record button. Here we go. Three, two, one. We recorded this episode on January 7th, 2016. This is On The Grid, episode 148. This week, Andy finally gives in and creates a portfolio for Friends of the Web. Here we go. Hey, well, welcome back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We took our first week off in years, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that week off, I think I've decided we should change this show to a Hamilton fan cast uh, and no longer try and talk about design. I don't know. What does that what, mean? Yeah, what's Hamilton? Have you not been listening to the Hamilton cast recording from the Broadway show? What? No, what? I don't oh, even know wow. what's going on right wow, now. Wow, I can't believe this what's is totally happening? off your radar. Where are we? I, I, this is a very big moment for you. Go on your Spotify's, your iTunes, Apple Music, whatever you like to use, and okay. search for Hamilton, and you'll find this little album artwork. It's got a little star, guy standing on top of the star. It's kind of a cheesy design. Uh, mm-hmm. And you're going to add that to your, to your favorites or your list or your whatever, your playlists, and then uh, listen mm-hmm. to it tomorrow, straight through. Uh, and then find yourself listening to it forever and ever on repeat because it's the best thing in the whole world. But why, though? What is it? All right, so what it is is a gentleman named Lin-Manuel Miranda. He has Mm -hmm. written a three-hour musical about Alexander Hamilton and Mm -hmm. all of his life, which includes the Revolutionary War, the founding of the country, the writing of the Constitution, the first three presidential elections, all that fun stuff. And uh, it's just great. I don't know. like he. It's a lot of rap. First of all, uh, it's a lot of uh, rap in the musical, which I don't know if it's totally typical for musicals. I don't think it is. Um, mm-hmm. And the way it's written, it's like, it's like a three-hour... Someone on a podcast recently described it as a three-hour earworm, which is what it is. Every single song in the three-hour track is like incredible and gets stuck in your head forever. I had a dream last night that I was on the cast of Hamilton, but I wasn't playing Hamilton. But then the guy mm-hmm. that was playing Hamilton forgot the lines, and he looked at me and was like, can you do it? And I was like, you know I can! I'm not throwing away my shot. It's really special. You've got to listen okay. to it. It's, it's so far my two albums of 2015 uh, from last year are Tampa Butterfly and Hamilton, the cast recording of the Broadway show. I'm telling you, it's special. Now I'm just going to have to sneak in quotes to Hamilton the whole show, and YouTube won't get it. But the rest of our listeners who are plugged into the zeitgeist will. So far, our Hamilton fan cast is not going great. <laughs> not no, going to lie. I have to, I'll be honest, you should probably have told us in advance that that was what we were going to change the podcast to. And here I thought we had this unspoken connection. I thought there was this psychic thing between us. Last episode, you tried to turn this into a Magic the Gathering podcast. Uh, you basically just stole an episode of that that we could redo. Now you're just trying to steal this Hamilton idea, turn it into that. I guess we should just get used to it. Andy's out of ideas. We're just going to mimic other things. Haven't read the book, All Artists Steal or whatever? Or Artist Steal Good? I think it's called Artist Steal Good, the book. Well, steal better, because we don't know what you're talking Everything about. Everything is a remix. Anyway, uh, I guess we'll end the Hamilton <laughs> fan cast there, Matt, so you can just edit that, release that separately as the Hamilton fan cast, and now we'll start, start the regular show. So, how's everyone's week? It's busy this week. It's busy this week because 
uh, you take time off and then everybody wants everything now. I assume you have the same thing. I assume you got back to a whole world of stuff you have to get done. How was your week? Well, it's kind of the opposite of that, actually, which is, which is funny. Uh, what I actually want to talk about tonight a little bit is that, you know, we've had some, uh, some slow times at work a little bit. Uh, we had some mm. projects that finished up, and then we had some of our constant clients simultaneously all be like, how about we uh, pull it back a little bit and do a little less work? And all of a sudden, we found ourselves hurting for projects. Um, and it's been, it's been a little while, actually. It's, it's, been, it's been a hot second. I haven't been talking about it on the show because, you know, if that's going to be the end of the business, I don't want to be talking about it every week. Uh, but we, we finally got some more people reaching out this week, and it seems like everything's going to be fine. But, you know, we've talked in the past about how that feeling that, like, everything could just stop tomorrow never goes away. Mm-hmm. This is just this yeah. past, these past couple months were just a nice reminder that, oh, yeah, by the way, that is still a feeling, and that's still a potential reality. And uh, it's no fun. No, I agree. I have that feeling all the time. If things are actually bad, I have that feeling. And if things are really, really good, I think I, should, I shouldn't get too comfortable because I know good only means bad soon. And it's funny. I, I find myself now with, I don't know if I've gotten used to it or if it's just, you know, the right amount of confidence that it takes to like run a company. But now we're just like, oh, yeah, sure. It's been two, three months where we've been you know, a little bit in the red, but I'm sure things will be get better. Where I feel like if in early days of the company, if that was the case, we would have been like, you know, scared and be like, well, I guess we got to shut the doors. But here we're just like, yeah. well, I'm sure things will bounce back. Sure things will bounce back. We've been saying it over and over again. And finally, it seems like it's going to. And of course, when it rains, it pours, right? Like you go months without enough to do. And then all of a sudden you have too much work and you can't even get it done. But yeah, uh, but yeah it's, uh, it's a funny thing. I'm sure freelancers go through the same thing. I, I never really freelanced significantly or like I did when I was a student, kind of. But I have to imagine it's the same thing, but with uh, nobody to share that burden with. <laughs> Just you alone <laughs> if everything seems like it's going to you know, fall apart. I did a bunch of freelance when I was in college and like right after college. But um, I don't know. Uh, it was always like a secondary income. And now, actually, I don't feel bad for you guys because there's the ebb and flow of projects here, but it, there's no correlation to me getting paid or not so uh like we showed back up for the new years and we had i was just talking to andy about this before we started we had a bunch of uh projects for game of the year they're awards things that both of the sites do so there's a, just a ton of custom work that we have to do at the end of the year goes right through december for the entire month and showed up uh for the first week that everybody's back in january and it we're just kind of coasting the whole week because uh, I think everybody got so burnt out right before the holidays that we all kind of need a little bit of time just to not be um, working nearly as hard as we were for the past month, uh, past couple of months, actually. So uh, it feels really relaxed in the office. And I actually really, really enjoy it. So I don't know. <laughs> I used to have that feeling when I wasn't responsible for more things. Oh, yeah. Uh, quiet, slow time, which is great time. Oh, yeah. Love it. Almost never slow time, but ah, I get a break. No new stuff is coming in. Mm-hmm. This is what a what a what a joy, what a treat. Andy's never felt that way. Uh, I mean, I feel that way at the office. Like there are times where things are just kind of stable. It was funny. I was talking to to other people and friends about this. Like, how many times have we been? Have we had a week where we didn't have people demanding more work of us than we had the time to do, or we didn't have enough work that we were going to like break even on payroll costs for the week? And there's so few weeks where like everything was just totally perfectly comfortable. And we're like, oh, yeah, we have the right amount of work. We'll just do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll have plenty of extra time because the right amount of work is nowhere near 40 hours a week. So we'll kind of chill out a little bit. Um, yeah, that doesn't happen very often. 
that's a hard thing like yeah i guess that's true there's never there's never the exact amount of time you would plan like if you could structure your perfect work week uh you're never going to get exactly that you're either going to get the anxiety of you have too much stuff to get done you'll never get it done in time or we don't have enough stuff to do we're all gonna die yep are you at all comfortable with that either of those things now oh i mean i would say in general i'm like pretty comfortable with both of them like yeah, uh, you know, we're very transparent in the office. Sometimes we hire a new person, and they're like, "Hey, wait a minute! Like, what's going to happen this week? It seems like we're not doing enough work." And we're like, "Yep, that's that's how it's going to be." And they're kind of like, uh, "Is that okay?" We're like, "Yeah, it's fine. Whatever." <laughs> uh, we've we've gotten very used to it, I think, just because it's 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 unavoidable, especially when you're small. I think that's the real like glowing appeal of making the company bigger is that the idea is that if you get a little bigger you'll be able to start to normalize those things, right? Because you diversify the clients more, you've got different kinds of products coming in, therefore the sort of highs and lows are lower and higher respectively. And then you can kind of, uh, you know, spread that out a little bit more evenly. But um, we're still not that big yet. We're, you know, still in the small range. So yeah, I don't know. It's like a whole emotional thing. But the reason I wanted to bring it up, other than just to mention that for solidarity of anybody out there who's freelancing or <laughs> running a small company and is wondering why it seems like things are hard things are always hard for everybody um so you know power i do wish more people would just say that what's well, the thing is i feel like the reason i wanted to say it is it's like it's an awkward way to open the show like hey by the way work's been slow but you know i think if you walk around acting like everything's perfect all the time then somebody else who's trying to do their own thing or run their own company might look at someone like us running you know our companies, Matt, and say, oh, these guys are always doing great. They're always talking about how busy they are. They never have any problems. We must be screwing something up. But, you know, it comes and goes for everybody. Uh, it always has been that way. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that's totally, I think it's something people should talk about, which is why I chose to talk about it. But uh, the other reason I wanted to bring it up was because I wanted to give you specifically, Matt, a chance to uh, make fun of me, which is, you. I know a while ago you mentioned that uh, you were going to make a motel portfolio. Did you ever finish that? No. Of course not. I have I've started and stopped about a billion times. And uh, I think we've kind of we would still like to do it sometime. Uh, we've definitely settled on getting a PDF done faster that we can email to people rather than getting everything up and on the site because, you know, everybody, every everybody worked on a different project. It's like, hey, let's let's find this guy's time today to get his thoughts on the project so we can write the case study and well he's busy for the next week or two weeks or three weeks or four weeks so we'll get we'll get to that when we can and then uh let's ask her what how that project went and we'll get well we'll gather all those images and oh doing the that job for a while yeah they're they're paying we should probably do that for a while so uh i have a i have a blank i i have a site that is a template for this stuff but god knows when i'm ever going to get that thing up because uh, client work always comes first, and sometimes it's really hard to finish your internal things. I know I'm not telling you any news, but I've started and stopped a million well, times. Well, luckily, you're not just talking to us. Um, no, yeah. Well, so anyway, uh, we we had this one project we were working on that was kind of a short notice thing, and uh, we finished it last week, and then we were like, all right, well, we have kind of a week where there's not any design stuff going on, so we set our, our goal to be to design and launch a portfolio in a week, and we should be, well, I guess it probably won't launch tomorrow. We have to get sign off from people, but it'll be done tomorrow. Um, so we are Wait, gonna so finally have a portfolio online. You're gonna have a portfolio online before you, you yeah. Uh -huh. Portfolio, uh -huh. yeah. Before you, and this is amazing. Astute listeners will remember the episode. I don't know, ten or fifteen or twenty back, where we talked about this subject, and I mentioned that we've never had a portfolio of friends of the web. We never needed one, and I still stand by that. Like the, we have 
lots of we had a lot of requests this week for new projects and none of those came from the portfolio that is not yet public mm-hmm. um but i think the thing that i really was sitting with and feeling was that uh when we were hiring people it was just so so difficult because nobody that came in the door knew what we did because how would they we have no examples of what we do anywhere so i, I think it's more important for me for future hiring uh so that we have people who are able to kind of look at our work and self-select and say, those are the kinds of things I would like to work on. I'm going to apply. Um, and also for just like, you know, general awareness in the industry, not in a way that will lead to more work directly, but in a way that will just elevate people's idea of what friends of the web is in a, you know, in that weird way you can't measure that brands always care about um, that mm-hmm. way specifically. So, uh, so yeah, now is your chance to gloat, Matt. We're putting up a portfolio probably early next week. I mean, this is pretty great. Uh, I'm a little bit sad that you beat me to it when I made it very clear that would be one of my goals, and then too many things came up, and I didn't actually finish it. Because I think the thing I said on that show is that I didn't think you ever worked on launch a portfolio, because that's what I had said earlier in the day, too, and then never got to it. So weird. Weird how things twist and turn. We can both gloat. We have both have reasons to gloat. Oh, we're both gloating. This is great. So can I ask you what you actually decided to do? Yeah, like, I'll tell you exactly what we decided to do. Because um, the thing I have struggled with is one that is that tells every story I've ever wanted to tell about everything we've done versus <laughs> a thing story. we can maintain, a thing we can maintain and actually will update. So uh, practically what the portfolio is going to be is a single square image for every project that, you know, can have components inside the image. It can look like it's many images, but it's actually just technically one image. Uh, and then a title, a description, list of collaborators, dates, and links. The description for each is about a paragraph, a medium-length paragraph. Um, we, we have also struggled with the same thing, Matt, which is that we can put this portfolio up, and we're going to, uh, but none of it actually describes really what we did, you know, yeah. because it's going to be a single image in a paragraph about projects we spent, you know, in some cases, thousands of hours on. Um, yeah. And a lot of that work, as we've discussed on the show before, is not something you can just look at and see. Like, it's not like, oh, there it is. Look at all the time that went into that. You know, uh, it's something that's kind of hidden in the background. We have to explain that, oh, by the way, when you place an order, uh, this order is getting chopped up into multiple packing slips and being sent to this warehouse in Minnesota and this dropship vendor in Brooklyn. And they're both printing the things out separately. And then the order, as far as you're concerned, are the same. And you get two tracking numbers, it all happens automatically. That kind of stuff is not clear. Um, and it's still not going to be clear. But what we basically did was, you know, we kind of found ourselves when we're talking to potential clients on the phone or talking to people who maybe aren't clients but are, you know, potential hires. When we kind of explain what we do, we are like, oh, well, we do this kind of website for these people and this is more or less our role. And so we've kind of taken those little short snippets and just made them into something that we can put on a page that you scroll down. Nothing fancy. Yeah. The whole goal was be able to get it done in a week. Uh, and we are going to accomplish that, I can safely say, now that we are on the... It's Thursday night. We're on the precipice of Friday, and we will get it done tomorrow. Um, okay. So, yeah, basically, we set that hard goal, which meant that sometimes we were like, hey, it'd be nice to have animated GIFs in here. Nice to have a little video of this interface. And we're like, no, can't get it done this week. So skip that. We'll come back to it later if you want to add it. Um, so the, the talk has been that maybe we'll eventually flesh some of these out into actual case studies with much more thorough writing and description. Um, and I, again, even in that scenario, I don't think that's going to be like a get more clients kind of thing. I think that would be like, yeah. you know, a blog post that people would want to share and talk about. And that would, you know, again, help elevate the idea of the company. So if we were to hire again, people may have, be more likely to have heard of us or actually know what we do because we can point them to a case study and say, look, here's the kind of rigor we go through when we are working on a project. 
But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so portfolio, it's happening. Do you find it? I, I maintain that uh, the hardest things I ever do are the things for either myself or my company. Uh, the number of iterations I go through before I'm satisfied could be infinite. And if I just can get a little bit of distance and do it for somebody else, it is uh, a thousand times easier. So would you say when you're working on your own stuff, you'll, you'll never be satisfied? That would be a very good way of putting it. Okay. How do you... I know you're the, I'm pretty sure you have the same opinion, but maybe you've, maybe you've, uh, figured it out and that's how you're able to get a portfolio up in a week. How are you dealing with this and not judging it by the standard of this has to be the greatest thing has to stand up to every other, every other web agency in the whole world, or it just has to function and it's going to be fine. Well, I think one nice thing is that many, many web agencies that I can find that are of a similar size to us and working with similar clients have the same position on portfolios, it seems, because they have basically nothing online. Like they might have mm-hmm. a client's list or like a slightly glorified client's list with like a single like screenshot of each project. Um, but very few of them actually do have a thorough portfolio, which I don't think is a coincidence. I think practically or probably is not going to like, you know, help increase business too dramatically. Um, I actually had a weird moment, Matt, where for one of the first times we were looking at, you know, potential designs of the portfolios and luckily, our part-time designer is off for winter breaks. He's with us all week this week, which means we get to really work on it a bunch. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of things that, like, I was like, oh, I like this more, but it's not Friends of the Web. Like, I was able to actually separate myself from what how the company kind of portrays itself. And there was, like, one option. I'm like, oh, yeah, this feels like what Friends of the Web would do. Like, it's very, I think, what marks the very few things that we have about ourselves online is, like, it's very direct. There's no like misdirection no like confusion or like weirdness um no unnecessary mm-hmm. stuff it's kind of like straightforward uh it's clean it's got bright colors um i don't know yeah it's like it's, it's kind of a relatively simple recipe i think for something that will fit with you know our current site but yeah it was actually interesting where it's like oh yeah this isn't my favorite necessarily but this is the one that clearly is gonna work the best for what we're doing it's the time for me when I, uh, normally, I can be level-headed and say, we, we don't need this shiny animation. We don't need this flashy, big, cool thing, because that's not the goal of this thing. The goal is to do this, and these are the most effective ways to do it. But then when it comes to designing the, the motel site or something, I'm like, hmm, not cool enough, though. We need to show off. We need to show the world that we're capable of this stuff. It should be flying around, and it should be on fire. And <laughs> Oh, man, flamingtext.com. Do you remember yeah. flamingtext.com? But isn't that like, if you go and do something like that, isn't, are you running a chance where a client could say like, well, you did all this crazy stuff on your site. Why didn't you do it in any of your client work? Yeah. Oh, I actually don't worry about that. I worry about, I worry about the opposite where somebody's like, this is insane. Is this what you do? And we're like, oh no, no, it's what we can do. But for you, we'll do a a much more reasonable thing. A thing that is appropriate. Mm -hmm. Like I, I worry about that. It's just more, I have a hard time settling on that and being reasonable. It's funny, in all of the clients we've talked to that have had hesitations about a project for one reason or another, almost never, as far as I could tell, was hesitation concerned that we weren't capable. Uh, You know, there's a lot of hesitations about uh, can they afford whatever it is they want. There's a lot of hesitations about is what they want even a good idea in the first place and will be successful. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of hesitations about that kind of stuff, but I've almost never come across somebody that, you know, asked for us to demonstrate capability, which I don't know if that's just because they would have no way of evaluating that. They're kind of, you know, up a creek and they have to just trust us anyway. 
Um, I don't know why that is. I've had that very specifically with like kinds of industries where it's like, hey, have you worked in this industry before? Like, well, no, but we've used the same technology to do similar things. And they're like, yeah, but have you done it for my very specific industry? And you have to say, well, no, we haven't. Yeah. And I think that is the same thing where it's like, I mean, I know you're questioning our capability. Like, I feel like everything I'm telling you is that we we've done this in different ways. It just doesn't happen to be for, I don't know what, a restaurant or something, but we did it for a product like it's all the same pieces of technology coming together to make a thing i don't know why we couldn't do this and yet somehow that disqualifies us that's happened before yeah does that also dictate all the work that you end up uh selecting for the portfolio to make sure that it doesn't lean to one industry or another or like unless you're trying to do that and say we mostly do things for x but we also have done work for uh y and z i mean that's not a thing i can worry about too much right now because motel's been in existence for a little over a year maybe close to two years but like the stuff we're going to put in the portfolio, if we do, is pretty much everything that we've uh, finished and uh, can be explained. Like, I'm sure there are things that are just like purely programming that is almost impossible to explain and doesn't have an image and it's just kind of a hard thing to put in a portfolio. But everything that can be showed probably will. So I'm not I, I hope we have that problem soon. I hope we've done so much good work that I have to I have to pick and choose and decide uh, how to craft it towards exactly what I want to do in the future. I don't know if you feel, do you feel that way actually four years in, or do you, do you have that problem of picking and choosing and trying to, to show people what you want to do in the future? We're rapidly coming up on five years. Uh, and, and yeah, I think we do have that problem a little bit. Um, you know, I've, I think I've talked to Michelle about how I want to be part of the kind of company that does not specialize as much as is possible. Uh, I would yeah, like, me too. I would like any website or app that comes down the lane to, feel like they can consider us to do it and i want to feel like we're capable of doing it um and that it is not unreasonable for us to do something and for the most part that's true like right now you know our big projects we have one for a university uh one ios game we're working on uh two e-commerce websites one type foundry um and i can't think of other ones right now because it's late thursday night but yeah we're, we're kind of all over the place and i want to keep it that way and it, we have started to trend a little bit uh, towards specific, well, we've already done, we've done three type foundry websites now. Well, technically only two, but the third one's launching soon. Ooh, which one is it? Secrets. Um, and we've, we've done now, uh, like two big commerce projects that were like, you know, marketplaces. Um, and we get lots of contacts for other people that want marketplace kind of websites. And because we did two very prominent examples and so they look in the footer and oh look they did both of these websites we'll, we'll hire them yeah which is exactly how you become specialized right like you do a thing you do a decent job everyone contacts you about it um so obviously like we're going to show those projects but uh, i do like I, i'm way more excited at this point at, for to take a project that is not so similar to those other projects like if we had to decide between two potential clients and all else was equal i would always take the project that was least like the ones we already had um, and that's yeah. still true, but at this point, it's starting to become a thing, right? Where I usually, I always used to say, we don't specialize, our clients are all over the place. Now I say, we try not to specialize, we believe in it, though you'll notice we've done a lot of websites like X, and almost always I'm talking to someone that wants a website like X, and so that's what they want to hear anyway. Um, yeah. So it gets a little, it's starting to get a little bit muddy. That's interesting. I guess where I'm at currently, it's not that, one, like there's, there, I feel like pretty much everything that we finished, uh, we should show somehow to kind of fill out the portfolio, but also like we haven't done any one thing over and over and over again yet. Maybe that'll happen in the future, but 
uh, I'm not that worried about it yet because pretty much every project is different. So yeah, I'm not scared of it yet. Hopefully, hope I want to have that problem though. I'd be happy to have that problem if someone sees a thing we did well and they would like us to do a similar thing. I mean, as long as it's not stealing an idea, but you know, like doing an e-commerce site or something, uh, being asked to to do another one that doesn't scare me yet. Maybe if I did 15 or something. No, and, and honestly, like right now, we have one of our potential clients is uh, another big marketplace. Um, we've been in conversations with them. We started doing some preliminary designs already. And I actually am very excited about this one in particular because a lot of these marketplace websites, these are, you know, very directly for-profit websites. So they're going to make money the day it launches and their goal is to be profitable as soon as possible for the most, for the most part. Um, so, you know, they're pretty, uh, you know, there's not a lot of fluff, right? <laughs> they're trying to get yeah. the website made for as little <laughs> as possible and make it sort of do the job. And we're happy to do that work. I think in the in most instances, we're providing work that is that kind of utilitarian. I don't think that precludes good design from happening. In fact, I think it's usually one of the impetuses for good design. But this particular client is in, in, intentionally interested in making a very unique shopping experience and kind of going all out on the actual website uh, and, and really investing in making that special, um, more so than some of our other clients have been. Uh, so I am excited about that one because I feel like I've learned a lot from the first couple clients that we've done this kind of projects for and to have someone kind of basically like take the governor off and be like, all right, now go crazy. Now do the best you can absolutely do. That's really appealing. And that, that's you know, the other side of specialization, right? Like, of course, you're more excited to do something that you know you're already good at and you can like look at the problem and say, yeah, I can totally tear this apart. Um, so I think it does take some like focus to try and not end up spiraling down that hole and end up just doing the same thing over and over again. But, but yeah, so it, it happens. It's, it's, there's pressure from both angles, from like me internally and also from the outside world who, of course, people want to pay money to people that have demonstrated they can already do the thing they want Yeah, directly. Have you taken any other measures, this is getting back to the portfolio a little bit, have you taken any other measures to make sure that you're not showing, or so that, you, I, so I know that specialization is one thing. There's also ask, someone asking you to do the same thing again. Maybe it's the look of something, or maybe it's even like trying to steal an idea. Do you try to change your portfolio in that way? Like not put two things next to each other. Let's not show this project over that project because they both use the same color or something like that. Are you trying to do any other things to prevent that from happening? Because that was one of your big points last time we talked about this and you said it was a bad idea. I don't want to be asked to do the same thing over again. Well, yeah, I think I specifically said that I, I didn't want someone to like basically go window shopping and say like, oh yeah, yep. I'll take that, that thing you did before. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know if like repetition is going to affect that at all. I think it's very possible that someone would just see we have one particular client that basically saw one app we made and was like, hey, can we make that app for us? And I was like, well, the app that already exists will also work for you. There's no reason to have your own special one, but let's have a conversation about what we can do that will take some of these ideas and maybe you know put them into your thing. Um, mm -hmm. so, so yeah, I, I think that's a, a real concern, um, but I don't think that it's a matter of like, you know, rearranging the portfolio to avoid that. I think it's just a matter of setting expectations with people when you have conversations with them. Um, and I'm not too afraid of it. Like, ultimately, the worst thing that happens is you have more contacts that don't turn into clients, which is not a bad thing at the end of the day. Unless it gets be so much that you're, like, being rude to them because you don't have time to answer all the emails or something. But that doesn't seem like that will happen anytime soon. Eh, I would take that problem. Seems like a good problem now. Yeah, exactly. And in, in, in the grand scheme of problems, that one's not so bad.
Dan, does any of this kind of stuff ever happen in-house? Like something similar where like, I don't know, maybe somebody sees something on the giant bomb site on a particular page and like, oh, I'd love that same thing over here on this other page of this different site and you get asked to do that? Or I don't know what your structure is set up as, but you ever run into something like this where somebody who maybe isn't totally involved in solving the problem sees a solution and tries to kind of stick it somewhere else? Um, we kind of have that. We kind of don't. Uh, basically, the way that things are structured uh, for our group is that we have a core framework and then we have basically like an instance of it for each of the sites that we work on. Um, so we could build a feature that could be available for all three sites, uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we actually ship all three of them. Uh, so there could be something that maybe Giant Bomb already has that's already been implemented, and we want to introduce it to GameSpot. Um, and that, I mean, actually the way that we set it up is pretty cut dry because then we could just like add things in um, and then just do a little bit of style tweaking or maybe things adjustments into the templates or whatever. So it's not really that much of an issue, uh, really, like for us internally right now. So like it's just not really like a one to one. Um, with what you guys are dealing with, with what how we're doing with stuff at CBS. Well, it's also you. You don't. You wouldn't have that problem of it being kind of unethical to like copy a thing and put it somewhere else because they're all owned by the same company. It's not like I feel like probably not as much of a worry of yours. Oh yeah, definitely not. Um, so it, it, like even when I was working at past jobs, uh, like when I was working in a small agency back in North Carolina. Um, uh, we were doing iPhone apps and we did very similar things uh, just as far as like feeds and, and just like basic functionality. But it was never to the point where somebody would point to one app and say, we just want the exact same thing. It was typically like, here's our needs. And they just ended up being in some way similar to what we've already done in the past. So like it, it wasn't an issue for us. And I don't think it was an issue for clients back then. So I don't, I just don't think I've ever had that come up. Maybe it's a, Problem that is inventive, it doesn't really exist. That's entirely possible. I mean, it's it's not. It, I guess it's just it's part of what feels weird about putting up something that says, "Here's what we do," that is not telling the whole story, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like part of the concern is that someone would just want part of that, the part they could see, and not understand everything that goes on behind the scenes. Um, and I guess that happens in much smaller ways. Right? We get a lot of people that contact us and they're like, "Oh, I would love a site to sell stuff like this site. How much does that cost? And we're like, well, it costs this much. You're like, wow, that's, I can't, no, I definitely can't have that. And it's like, yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of complexity there. You probably just want a Shopify site, right? Or a, you know, Squarespace commerce site or something. When somebody contacts you about building them a website that you built already for somebody else, and it turns out they don't have the budget to do it, there's a reliable place you can send them. You can send them to Squarespace. And you can say, hey, I know that you want a $50,000 website, but I know you have $8. So we're going to meet in the middle. And by meet in the middle, I'm going to say, you go to squarespace.com and you sign up for a site because you need something that looks professionally designed, regardless of skill level, meaning no coding required. You need something that's intuitive and easy to use. And I bet you need a domain. Turns out you can get one for free if you sign up for a year. That seems like a thing you might be able to say. It's almost mm -hmm. like there's a script you can read from. Of things you to want say. a $50,000 website, but you actually only have negative $49,984. So we're going to meet in the middle, which is $8. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No. Squarespace isn't going to accept negative money. They don't have, they're not in debt. No, they're not. That's why we're meeting in the middle. See, see, it costs 50. They have negative 49984 
So uh, we're gonna meet in the middle, which is eight. Or actually, you know what? You can have minus $50,000 and you can start today with a free trial if you go to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code GRID, get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for On The Grid. I was just confused that you said they had $8 and they needed a $50,000 website and you were gonna meet in the middle at eight because that would meet you'd be meeting in the middle at twenty five thousand and twelve dollars. Not. I think we can both agree that you didn't get my joke, and hopefully in the future we can agree about whether it's okay to get jokes or not. I don't know. Just just thinking ahead a bit. We should talk about this, Andy. Let's note to talk about this in the future. Mm, okay. I think your joke was bad and poorly <laughs> thought out, and just involved bad math. Okay. Good. You know what's not funny? Bad math. So thank you to Squarespace for supporting Five by Five and On the Grid. Squarespace, build a beautiful. So, um, yeah, it's, it's entirely possible that the actual problem is something I invented, but I think it comes from that same concern of people misunderstanding what it is that we do. Does everybody have that problem of just worrying that uh, the world doesn't understand the depth of what they do and they're super self-conscious about it? Is that really yeah. all it is? Yeah, I've always said the world doesn't really understand me. That's my biggest issue. <laughs> I'm really just Teenage Andy is complicated, coming out. and people just don't appreciate that. Um, you know, it's a very good question. I have done very little hiring of other companies in my in my day, so I don't know if that's if that's the kind of thing. I think it's probably somewhat unique in design because part of what our industry is kind of founded on is that you have like an artifact at the end, right? Um, yeah. Like I, I doubt you would. I mean, it is true for interior designers or for something like that, but for you know, for our, our old go-to example of like a plumber, you're not going to like you know, look at a snapshot of some pipes and be like, yeah, give me those pipes in my house. That's what I want. Um, yeah, but maybe that's an even deeper problem because the plumber doesn't have a way to express how good they are. Well, yeah, like if you're a plumber, I think the only way you can find new clients is by word of mouth uh, or yeah, I sure. guess by advertising, of course, um, which is what many other industries rely on. But, uh, but yeah, I think that's why you see things like, you know, reviews and referrals playing a huge role in industries like that. Um, whereas yeah, I mean, it's, it's still important in our industry, of course, but, you know, I don't think anyone... Well, would, I would say it's, it's the most important. Well, like, referrals I think are, but, like, you wouldn't is, have, like, a, you know, you wouldn't ask your clients to rate you on a scale of 1 to 5 and then post your star rating on your homepage. No, but I also would assume, I think referrals are going to work way, way, way better than portfolios, like, 99.9 yeah. .9 to 0.1 or something like that, to that degree. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think the, the part I do agree with you on is, like, will this portfolio lead to new business? Uh, probably not. Probably maybe not. a little bit. Maybe maybe one out of a hundred, you'll get a hit. But uh, I would be willing to bet pretty much everybody else is going to ask ask for someone that they can trust. And a portfolio doesn't necessarily give you that. I've also been kind of wondering subtly about, you know, like I think it's it's not just entirely possible. I think it's almost guaranteed that our clients for our iOS apps have absolutely no idea what we've done on the web, like zero mm -hmm. clue um, in almost every instance. Uh, and same goes vice versa, right? Like if, honestly, even within one project, unless if we did something that is the thing you're pointing to and saying, I know you built this, so I would really like to have you build my thing, then you know about that previous client. But other than that, it's not like our clients know about each other at all. So I'm actually kind of also a little bit curious about like the subtle psychological effect of presumably most of our clients will at some point go to our website and look at the portfolio now that it's online. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering mm -hmm. if there'll be some kind of like, subtle uh you know change in their perception of us of like you know when we does it make us seem more 
you know, more established, more reliable, more trustworthy when there's a bunch of decent looking projects for respectable people that are up there. Um, I wonder if that'll just change something slightly. I'm not sure. Yeah, but I like I would wonder if, like you were saying, if you didn't app for somebody and they didn't even know you did uh, like three other specialty or platforms or or just way of doing anything uh, that I would wonder if they looked at that like, well, we kind of actually do need that. So I wonder if it would be helpful just to be able to retain some clients or just bring back old clients uh, to do more work for them. Yeah. I mean, potentially, I don't know. Yeah, honestly, at the end of the day, you know, I've talked about some of the like weird possible problems it could bring up, but honestly, I think the worst problem it could possibly bring up is more, um, like more more contacts that won't lead to any work. Which, as you mentioned, Matt, in the grand scheme of problems, that is a okay. So uh, I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be bad in any way. And I'm, I'm actually excited to get it online because I'm excited to show people what we've been doing because most people don't think I have any idea. So we'll see how that goes. The exciting part is if you stick to your word, by the time the show is up. We'll have a link to it. Should and, be. Uh, and yeah. if you're a liar, if you're a huge liar, then uh, I'll edit in a part saying you're a huge liar right here. Mm-hmm. Or you just won't take this out. That I just wouldn't take this out. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. this will go up on Monday, I guess. It's possible it'll be up by Monday. It depends on how quickly our clients respond to us and say, like, yes, this thing you wrote and this way you described your role sounds acceptable to us. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, I forgot about the part. Are you running every description by the client before you put it online? Um, for almost every project. There are a couple of projects that are, like, long done and we haven't emailed this person in months and in some cases the person we were working with doesn't work for the company anymore um and so there i'm not worried about it but for the people we have like ongoing relationships relationships with i want to make sure that the way we're describing it makes sense from their perspective as well which could lead to some other interesting conversations like oh you think you do this for us no you don't do that <laughs> which would be uh which would be funny but um but yeah so we have to we'll probably send some of those emails tomorrow so hopefully yeah hold me to it uh by monday i hope it, i hope it's up Well, anyway, let's, uh, let's, we have 10 minutes left. Uh, so I want to kind of run a few quick questions by you. Um, yeah, please. On, on the topic <laughs> of the thing we argue about all the time. Um, uh-huh. let's, let's talk just about jokes. Just jokes, mm. jokes in general. Um, all right. trying, to, trying to get into mass camp. Okay. Trying to get what? You know, uh, yeah, I, I know Matt Lee's talking about comedy. Uh, he, know, he knows a lot yeah. about it, so he might teach me some things. Um, when it comes to a joke... I think a joke is a good example of something that uh, there can be very funny jokes that you just don't get, right? Like you don't have mm-hmm. the cultural context or something to like get a funny joke. Uh, and you find yourself in a room where everyone's laughing. And you're like, wait, I don't understand. It's, oh, you haven't seen, you haven't listened to Hamilton. So you wouldn't get this great joke about <coughs> Hamilton. Um, is that what this whole episode has been? <laughs> yeah, basically this whole episode has been a big, Ham- big Hamilton joke. Um, <laughs> I think it's interesting that we don't, often think of that same thing being possible in other mediums right like i think most people if you were like oh this is actually a very I, I, i'm trying to use words that are objective like good and great but say a funny joke uh this is actually a very interesting movie you just don't get it like you lack whatever cultural context requires to like appreciate this movie the same way that somebody could lack whatever it takes to appreciate a joke uh, it seems like yep. it's very accepted in the world of jokes and not very accepted in the world of music visual art movies do, do you tend to agree I tend to agree. I think the when we bring up a joke, though, what's so great about it is that uh, there's a pretty objective measure as to whether it's good or not. And most things don't have that. Of course, that is a lot. Do you laugh? Are you laughing? Yes? Good. 
Well, that's the thing. Not is- laughing, no bad. Like, there is that, there is that uh, spectrum, but then there's also just the end result. Are you laughing? No or yes. Most forms of art don't have such a simple measure, uh, which I think is actually one of the reasons I think it's so satisfying to... Uh, mm-hmm. Or, like, maybe why I'm so obsessed with it. Well, because... so I think there's more depth there than you're hinting at, though, because I have definitely laughed at bad jokes. And then if you watch that same bad joke a second time, you're like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not falling for that again. Like, that's just a bad joke. Yeah. Uh, and you, like, tricked me. Um, and there's lots of things that can cause but, laughter. But, what is, like but something... what's the problem with that? Like, I've also laughed at jokes where I'm like, that's the worst. And I've laughed at it. So I don't know what that says. Does that just mean I'm like... uh that was my reptile brain and i had to conquer it for a second well yeah i think in that specific instance i think there are a lot of things that can cause people to laugh like some people laugh out of uh, feeling uncomfortable right and if you laugh Mm -hmm. because you're uncomfortable that was just something that made you uncomfortable not necessarily a funny thing that was said um yeah i think that's true of other kinds of emotions as well at some point i heard somebody on something or i read something somewhere i have no idea where i got this from but i heard somebody describing i think it was like 23 different kinds of laughter and like what causes it and it was everything from like uncomfortable laughter to like laughter from slapstick to like laughter from absurd uh from the absurd like you know something unexpected in a place you didn't didn't expect it to be uh and Mm -hmm. i've been trying to find the source so i can actually read it like the actual document and or whatever it is that this person was trying to talk about or cite and i can't find it anywhere if anyone knows what i'm talking Mm -hmm. about even though it's completely vague i would love for you to tweet me and tell me what it is because very interested in reading that um but I, I, my, my point, though, is I think it's very interesting that, like you said, Matt, if someone doesn't get a joke, like, it's not offensive to be like, oh, you don't get that joke. It's just a fact, right? You just didn't get it. Like, other people are laughing. You're not laughing. You just didn't get it. It's fine. We'll move on. It's a little bit. It, you, it can be offensive if you're implying that someone's stupid because, it, like, maybe it's a Dennis Miller joke or something. Well, yeah. Like, it's offensive if they did get the joke and they just didn't laugh. And then you just No, no, no. It could be offensive that you didn't get the joke because you're implying that they're not smart enough to get the reference. That's a thing that can happen. So it can be offensive. Sure. I find like usually it's not though. Like like you said, it's kind of a fact. Like if you're not laughing and everyone else is, what are the the options? Are you totally got it and <laughs> didn't find it funny uh, for whatever reason, or you didn't get it? Uh, yeah. And in this instance that you did get it and you just didn't find it funny, I agree that it's probably like someone insinuating you didn't get the joke. You're like, no, no, I'm on next level. I got it, and I'm so far beyond you. I didn't even laugh at it. Um, <laughs> but I think the the opposite, like implying that somebody just didn't get a movie or or a song or an album that almost always comes off as insulting, right? It's like, you just didn't get this and that's your fault. You didn't put enough time into it. You're not smart enough. You don't have enough cultural sort of reference points. Like, like people take that very personally if you insinuate they didn't get another piece of art. I would say the the scale from joke to song is a pretty good one. If you said someone didn't get a song, I feel like that'd be hugely insulting. Uh, I guess depending on the genre. I guess you're allowed to say it with weird things like death metal or something. But probably... You say someone didn't understand the song, you're you're kind of just saying they're stupid, whereas there are certainly there's an acceptable time for someone not to get a joke, and it's probably something uh you know, you didn't understand that joke. It was about Doctor Who. Oh, okay. I get it. So the the point I'm trying to make is that in, in my experience, and, and you could disagree, and people listeners could disagree mm-hmm. as well, it seems like people are more willing to accept that they might just not get a joke than that they might just not get another piece of culture of some kind. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. and I think that feeling of like i'm not allowed to just not get something i think i kind of said this about the shining right like the shining is just not my kind of movie like i i don't want like to be scared i don't watch enough scary movies to have an appreciation for why it does certain things better Mm -hmm. like and it's not that i say i don't 
like it or it's bad. I just like I, I don't get it. It's not for me. Uh, and I definitely yeah. say the same thing about metal, right? Like I'm sure there is infinite complexity and depth and beauty and you know variance inside of the world of of metal music, but I, I definitely don't get it. Like it's just it's not on my radar. Um, and I could yeah. not listen to two songs and differentiate them and tell you what was special about one of them. There's no hope. So uh, I feel like if people were more willing to accept that it's possible not to get things that are not jokes in the same way you cannot get a joke, that we would start to make a little bit of progress down the road of just admitting that some things are good. You just might not get them. The same way that some jokes are mm-hmm. funny, you just might not get them. Uh, and that's okay. I think it's, it's actually, it's, I feel like it's most that way with food where it's acceptable to not, not, not get it. That's a good example. It's, it's very acceptable to not like something, and you get to say, oh, I just don't like that. But you don't get to say, this is bad food. Right. I don't like chocolate. You don't like chocolate? That's weird. Yeah, I don't like it. Okay. I mean, I'm sure some people are dicks about it, but generally I think that's a, the, maybe the most acceptable form of uh, I don't get it. No one really argues with you. You kind of are allowed to just not enjoy a thing. That's because food is very intimate, too. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the actual experiencing of food is like a chemical process like that happens in you your to, body. You don't have to put the shining into your body. Yeah, which is funny because for, so for some reason, the, <laughs> for some reason, I think because like the experience of tasting like happens in your mouth and it's your mouth and people kind of assume that everyone's mouths are different, it, you're more likely to be like, oh, if it doesn't taste good to you, like I guess you just taste things different than me. Like, like that's the thing people just accept all the time. But... And yet we're unable when it's to your brain. Yeah, we're unable to make the to, same leap the... about people's brains being different. <laughs> where we're like, oh, you just didn't like this thing. Maybe we just had different brains. It's like, oh, you didn't like this thing. You're a fucking idiot. You're a fucking, you don't understand anything at all. So I, I think, yeah, I think that's a great example, Matt. And I think there is good and bad food. been on the grid episode 148 this week i want you to check out our subreddit on the grid.reddit.com post links you think we might like or just comment about this episode go find the show thread let us know what you have to say thanks to dan for the interlude music last boy for the ad music girlfriends for the theme music and finally thanks to you for listening until next week And I think there is good and bad food. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, yeah, okay. Oh, God. I guess we'll, we'll end it there because we'll, maybe we'll yeah. pick back up. Yeah. This, could be, this could be like a 20-part series. This could be our I own could, this could be a whole separate podcast. We're going to start a podcast called Good and Bad. The Good Cast. And it'll be like, is it a robot? What's, the, what's, that, what's that show? The not show on robot? the Incomparable. Robot uh, or not? Robot or not, yeah. We're, robot or not. They put out like episodes of weird lengths and yeah. I think what we should do is we should just start a podcast called Good or Bad. And first, it's it's supposed to be a, a one minute podcast where I ask Andy if something's good or bad, <laughs> but then it's actually an hour and we talk about it because I argue with you. It's like mm. okay, there is the one minute, and then there's music that plays, and then we're like, but seriously, you can't actually possibly think that, right? And then another hour. So it's a re- actually a very long show. It's gonna be very successful, good or bad. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying there is. Basically the same thing as pasta in almost every culture. Pasta is good food. And everyone separately came to that conclusion and realized it. I get that I don't understand what a phone booth is. I don't know. What's Doctor Who stuff? The TARDIS. Yeah, see? I don't know what a TARDIS is, so it wasn't funny. Bad joke, Dan.
the, the very little my friends watch Doctor Who. I've only seen like one episode, but I know that the TARDIS is a is like a police booth. Like it's supposed to be apparently in London. You crazy Brits? Mm-hmm. They have like little like booths that police people sit in. Just you know to change into Superman. No, or they just sit Isn't in it. It's like for? it's like a it's like a non mobile police car, right? Like it's stationed there all the time, but it's just a little house. What? But what do they do in there? Well, they sit there and look for people to do bad things. They're available if someone has to come and say, "Hey, I was just robbed." Like it's kind of like a, it's their part of being in the community. What's the, what's the best way to for this for this policeman to find bad guys and then chase them? Like let's let's lock them in a box. That's well, I mean, the, the whole point I think is that you know there's this police box on the corner, so there's not going to be crime happening there. It's like a it's like a sign mm-hmm. of like uh, the police's presence in the community, and you get to feel comfortable and confident. Okay, I understand now. Anyway, uh, I'm not part of the British culture. I think it's what it is. But but the funniest thing I know about the TARDIS, uh, which looks like one of these police boxes, is that it's actually like this magical shape shifting thing. It's just that it's broken, so it's stuck on a police uh, box. Uh, <laughs> which to me is the best way to explain. Why they don't have a fancy shape-shifting set, because it's just broken and stuck on police box all the time. And once you go inside, it's like, you know, an infinitely huge space or whatever. Yes, it's bigger on the inside. No, it's a spaceship that can travel through space and time. The whole outer shell is just a decoy. Yeah, but isn't it supposed to be able to look like anything? Yeah, it could if it wanted to. But I, I I think the way they explain that is they say it's broken and it's stuck on police box. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so that's hilarious to me, because... They're like, oh, we want to have this amazing spaceship, but we, have to, we can't afford a set that changes all the time, so let's just explain that it's broken and stuck on police box. <laughs> That's great. But I no, the, in, but the inside changes all the time. Though. Yeah, yeah, because they just go to a different room. And they're like, ah, oh, we're still inside the TARDIS. Whoa. No, 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 no. The control room also changes many times depending on the doctor. Also, maybe multiple times with a, the same doctor because the same doctor can go for multiple seasons. I'd really need to quit talking because I can go way too goddamn deep on this. 